Welcome to the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light right here on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. I am John Schmelk. The man to my left is the very corporate Jeff Fiegels. Hello, sh- sir. How he are you showed today? up in real estate mode today, yes. so Schmelk had to put on a fancy shirt and jacket as well. Ooh, slim. Fitting. Very well tailored, sir. Nice threads. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but we'll obviously act like the morons we usually do. At 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. It's all presented by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, Made to Chill. And Jeff, a lot to talk about today. We'll preview Championship Weekend a little bit. We'll talk about the Senior Bowl and kind of get everybody up to date of where we are in terms of the Giants assistant coach and coaching staff search the Giants have made no announcements. You guys have seen some of the reports out there about Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, Thomas McGahee, special teams coach. Again, the team has not confirmed any of these, but those reports are out there. Also, Jeff, we've talked about those already. Let's talk about the one we haven't discussed yet, a report coming out the other day that Jason Garrett was here to interview for the offensive coordinator job, something that was kind of whispered about. I think Ed Werder had the initial report uh, even before Joe Judge got hired that he's going to be a interview for the Giants head coaching position, Yeah, comes in to interview for the offensive coordinator spot. There were also reports that Mike Shula had interviewed for that offensive coordinator spot. So your thoughts on that direction, if well, it does eventually come to pass Well, again. I mean, obviously he's got to interview some people to get going here, right? I mean, you're going down to the senior bowl. and He has can... to interview some people. That's the type of analysis we're looking That's for exactly. from Jeff Fiegel. And so <laughs> uh, allegedly the ones that we're going to be talking about here, I think both would be really good. Uh, candidates and good choices. One number one, uh, Shula has been here. Daniel Jones, you know the connection there. Um, always good to keep the same system for a young quarterback. Now here's the question though, Jeff. Mm-hmm. That was Pat Shermer's offense. Okay, that yeah. wasn't Mike Shula's offense. No. So I wonder how yeah. similar it would actually well, be, I which, which I think be, is fascinating. Well, it just depends on. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he was down at the Panthers, and what he did at the Panthers that they didn't do well here was run the football. Um, so maybe that offense would change, hopefully, for the better. But I think it would be somewhat similar. I think he had a little bit to say with the ins and outs of the offense weekly um, with P- Coach Shermer and Shula. So we'll see there. The other thing is is with um, with Jason Garrett, familiarity with the NFC East, no no question, yeah, will help think? that. And by the way, <laughs> the Cowboys retaining Kellen Ward, not just to run their offense but call plays, that's all of a sudden an advantage. No one knows that offense better than Garrett. Well, if you remember Mike McCarthy, when he took over, took back the play calling stuff back in, I don't know what year it was, but he said, I'll never give those up again. Well, he's giving them up now. Well, in the so. report that I read the other day that was interesting is that McCarthy, apparently, when he interviewed, including here, again, this is just according to yeah. reports, and the Panthers, and there was one other spot. Maybe it was Cleveland was the other spot he interviewed. Yes. He had apparently brought up Kellen Moore at those interviews, someone he would want to add to his staff. Mm-hmm. So I guess he had caught his interest in his little, you know, year-off yeah. watching tape project that he apparently did. Well, you look at the look at their offense. They were pretty good last year, uh, Dallas's was. You know, a little bit uh, inconsistent at times. And number but- one in yards per game. So I think that, you know, that was attractive for Mike McCarthy being able to keep him there with some of the things that you just talked about. But, you know, Jason Garrett's a guy who um, didn't call the football plays, you know, but you know he was in those meetings because he's an offensive guy, him and Kellen Moore, and also um, Kitnuff was down there, three quarterbacks that played for the Cowboys at one point in time. But you bring Jason Garrett here, he's going to have a good knowledge of the division that we're in. Uh, I do believe that the, not only does Joe Judge, but I think the organization would like to see an ex-football head coach in the National Football League on the staff how just to th- give some direction. Well, how do you think that helps judge? If, if again, well, this I, does eventually happen, and there's not even reports that it's a done deal, by the way. This course. is just a report that an interview occurred, and again, the Giants have not confirmed that report. I think it will help because there's obviously, whoever it is has been down the road. There's things that, that Joe Judge, even though he's been told, and he's you know been in discussions with Bill Belichick and you know kind of the assistant head coach, if you will, up there. You saw him next to him a lot. But a head coach who's been to meetings, a head coach who's been through drafts, those are the things that will help him as a young football coach who's never been in these situations to get a little bit of, you know, hey, by the way, Joe, you may want to think about this before you do this or just some, some stuff like that. And by the way, understands New York. Jason Garrett, a former oh, yeah. well, he quarterback was my here. He went to Princeton. Oh, three. I won't hold that against him. <laughs> well, you should hold it against me. Well, uh, I have not used Jason Garrett in the Did You Play With Jeff Eagles. I thought that would be too well, easy. Well, we just gave it away. Yes. Right, exactly. 2003 quarterback. Yeah, he was, Get he, that one. He was with the Giants as the backup quarterback to Kerry Collins from yeah. 2000 to 2003. And it's funny because, it, you know, 
that was the end of his career uh, playing football. Yep. Um, I had known Jason because he was really good friends with Troy Aikman uh, back when they were with the Cowboys before. And, and those two used to come out to my charity golf tournament out in Phoenix every year. So that's how I got to know Jason Garrett. Um, and then, of course, being his teammate. But you knew in 2003 this guy was destined to be a head football coach in the National Did Football Did you? You League. could tell already? You could totally tell. Why? It was just his mannerisms, the way that he just talked, the way that he knew football, and you knew that that was going to happen. And it did course but um so listen i I think it would be a good situation here the one thing i would you'd have to caution against is the thinking that would he come here and if all of a sudden next year uh there's a teams out there that go through that hiring cycle again and then jason garrett's name comes up as a head coach Mm. you certainly wouldn't want to have now you have a one and done new offensive coordinator so that's probably some things that they are thinking about well i'll tell you what jeff this was amazing Field Yates, and Lance and I talked about this on the show a couple days ago. Field Yates put up a tweet that they believe there are only three or four teams that have the same head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator for more than two seasons. Wow. That's four. Either the three or four. Well, listen, I I And then two of those teams have guys at head coach that do both jobs. Well, here's the problem with that. When they're when your teams are really bad, they get fired and they leave. And if they're really good, somebody get, hires your coordinator. <laughs> exactly. So right. I'm, I'm guessing that the one, those four that you mentioned are probably in the middle of the pack. Yeah, I think the 49ers, I, I can look at the tweet. I think I retweeted it the other day. But, um, but that I, won't happen next year. The 49ers are going to lose some people next year, especially if they win, and we'll get into it a little bit later, if they win this Sunday. Yeah, Salah, um, their, their defensive coordinator yeah, for sure yeah. is a so, hot name. Though there aren't any head coaching spots left. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're next, all full. I mean, yeah, next year I think that you, right. you probably think that, that that's a staff that's going to get decimated by um, movement, good movement. You know, those are the kind. Listen, all coaches in the National Football League want to be a head coach, right? They want to start off being a regular coach and get into a coordinator and then obviously a head coach. Here and it you is. never know. It was three teams. Okay. The Bills, Saints, and 49ers will enter 2020 as the only teams that have the same head coach and coordinators for more than well. two full seasons. Continuity is rare in today's NFL. So it certainly is. I don't think you, I don't, my point, the reason I brought that up, Jeff, I don't think you can use that as a reason to stay away from somebody because you just don't know what's going to happen. You really, I guess so. That's a good point. A very good point. And, and, you know, you would want to, you would want to think that, you know, if Jason Garrett was going to come here and be a coordinator, that he, he's going to be able to stay here for a few years and, and really groom Daniel Jones. There's and to me, nothing better than having a, an ex NFL quarterback who's worked with many many through his through his uh tenure as a head coach or even in the, in the nfl as a regular coach he was an offensive coordinator for a while the fact is that you you can work with daniel jones i think that's a good thing now it'll be you know they brought in uh jerry um the new what did i pronounce it chuplinski chuplinski okay that sounds right chuplinski well, S-C-H-U-L-P-S-K-I. Shuplinski. I always rely on you for pronunciation. Oh, you know of course that. you do, And by John. the way, that is, just, that is just a report that is not official by any yeah. means. But he's a quarterback's coach. I mean, right. if, and if that's the case, they, they hire him. He's been working in New England with, well, one number 12 up there. And Jacoby Brissett is the guy. Garoppolo. So he's just, it's just you want a guy that's been and he was some with, experience. And he was with, with Miami last year, obviously. He was in Miami last year. That's correct. With Fitzpatrick. Yes. <laughs> How much he taught him? Correct. Then Josh Rosen too, to a lesser extent. And he, well, he really needs. A, he should have taught him more. I mean, oh, they, you're I just mean, firing today, uh, man. You're all <laughs> hey, the proof's in the pudding, though. I mean, when we sat here a couple <laughs> years ago doing what we're doing now, and we talked about Josh Rosen, John, yeah. we we everybody was still a little bit. He was probably the one guy that people were not so sure about. Remember? Oh, he doesn't want to play football. You know, he's his And those his, questions haven't come up again really. His whole attitude, there haven't been any issues with yep. him in terms of a guy. It's just a matter it's just of his, been play. his ability. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we'll uh, see what happens. And who knows, maybe he'll be on another team this next season if the Dolphins end up drafting a quarterback. Well, the Dolphins are gonna pick right behind the Giants. And so they're gonna have an opportunity yep. to um and there's a lot of good things that we can talk about in this draft with the Giants at the fourth position because there are some teams below them that would like to get up and get their quarterback. Well, and I think a lot of that's got to do with to his health, and we'll have to see how he looks with that Well, hip. we're going to find out soon. And frankly, who <laughs> the Bengals take in number one? Everyone assumes it's going to be Joe Burrow. I would think it's going to be, but we'll have to wait and see if that happens too. Do you have a list? Or do you know if Tua, will he be one of the guys? There's, there's certain rules with these quarterbacks, right? Going into, there's no juniors that can go to the senior bowl. Only right? seniors and Only players that have already graduated. 
only so if you graduate seniors. in three years, okay. you can go. Okay. Or if you're a true senior, senior. that's gotcha. correct. Okay. That's important to know I, because I remember yeah, last I year I did think, not know that. I, I remember. don't think redshirt juniors can go. I do not believe so. Red I think they have okay, to. I think they have to have graduated if you're yeah. a redshirt okay. junior, that, which frankly is very possible because you're in school for four years. So that's right. Yeah. And and listen, you know, if, for people that don't know, football guys in college, they're there year round, and they take double session summer school. So it's very easy. Not I wouldn't say easy. I don't don't want to think the college is real easy, but it's very practical for those guys to graduate in four years because they're there full time for the whole, they're taking 12 credits in the fall, 12 credits in the, in the spring. And then they're also taking like two to four classes during the summer. Absolutely. Which is almost another semester. All so, right. L let's do senior bowl real quick and then we'll do the weekend games and we'll get to your Well, calls. let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah, Are you go excited ahead. about going this year? I mean, I am excited. I, I, I feel like last year was a little bit more, um, I guess, star packed if you will i think last year's draft with the the quarterbacks the we whole everything you know ended up having three players that went in the first round last year daniel jones yep yep actually more than three actually it's daniel jones montez sweat andre dillard caleb mcgarry the offensive tackle went at the end of the first round and there might have been one other one so there were four or five first round picks last year i don't think We'll get that high this year, yeah. but there are a lot. And you have a couple first-round picks. Justin Herbert will be one for sure. Sure. At least I think he will be. And Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle from South Carolina, will be another. And then there are other receivers, and Brandon Ayuk's a guy that could slip into there. Josh Jones, an offensive tackle, could slip in. But you have a lot of day-two picks. And that, to me, is what the Senior Bowl is great for. It's finding those guys in rounds two through four. Yeah. And those are the guys that are going to be at the Senior Bowl, and you can learn a lot about. Like, Will Hernandez is a guy that I saw there. Mm -hmm. O'Shane Zimenez is a guy mm -hmm. that I saw there. So there are guys in that meat of the draft where you really have to find value if you want to build a good football team. Those are the type of guys I'm excited to, to see there. I've been trying to watch as many of the guys that I have kind of marked off that are, you know, going to be day one, two, early day three picks. I'm not going to get to all of them. I'll probably get to about half. I'm trying to watch at least one game of each guy just to have a feel for them as I go out there. But, yeah, it's exciting, Jeff, because, look, I don't get exposure to these guys during the season. We're traveling on Saturdays. Hey, you don't have time. I have a wife and a kid for home games. I either am doing a college football game for the NEC, mm -hmm. which, you know, we do, oh. or I'm traveling. So I really don't get to watch a lot of college football. So this is my first exposure to a lot of these guys. And you get to see them up close. And from being up here watching practice at the NFL level, yeah. I have a pretty good sense. I've been doing that since 2007. Yeah. I have a good sense what an NFL player at a position is supposed to look like from a physical stature standpoint, how they move, Footwork. their athleticism, all that stuff. So I have a pretty good feel to see these guys close up like that. It, it, it's really, really beneficial for me. And again, like you said, you know, most of these guys are going to be, you know, second, third down players, you know, as far as the rounds. And the one thing that I like about the Senior Bowl, watching the Senior Bowl, and if you were down there, at least like you are, to watch it during the week, is that there's always stories that come out of the Senior Bowl about guys that persevere, mm -hmm. guys that are up against the odds. Small school small guys. Small school guys. And mm -hmm. these are the guys with, you know, they can make an impact. And we talk about draft board climbers. This is the Senior Bowl is an area where these guys can start to climb at its infant stages because we always hear yep. going through this draft process. Oh, my God. Uh, what was the guys? Um... Uh, I'm a, the guy for Detroit. They uh, Oliver. Remember Oliver? Ed Oliver last year. Mm -hmm. He was not a guy everybody talked about at the beginning. Yeah, it was going to be maybe a first, second rounder. That dude shot up towards the end, and you never know. Some guys drop down. He was Buffalo, by the way. He got drafted uh, by Buffalo. Buffalo. Excuse right. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then you watch him play this year. Did did great. Did well. Yeah. So, um, you can make a name for yourself at these Senior Bowls and some of these other Senior Bowls. Not the, the Senior Bowl. There's the yeah. East West Shrine, but what the NFL PA Bowl. The East West Shrine up? was was this week actually. That's okay. correct. So yep. yeah, I mean absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that. If you guys want to talk about and call up about specific prospects, I'm happy to answer your questions about them. I'll just throw out a couple names right now, guys, that I'm excited about. I like the wide receivers. Michael Pittman Jr., Brandon Ayuk, two guys that I like a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, Devin Duvernay is a guy that kind of is a slot. He's only 5'11", Jeff, but he's like 215. Sure. He, he was a track guy, and he's strong enough to break tackles. He's exciting for somebody that's looking for a guy that plays that position. I mentioned Javon Kinlaw, probably the highest-rated guy um, in this class that's going to be there in addition to Justin Herbert. Obviously, the Giants not that excited about um, the quarterbacks because they have Daniel Jones already. Uh, Terrell Lewis, a pass rusher. Uh, Khalid Kareem from <laughs> Notre Dame. There's another guy that can rush the passer. Uh, Zach Bowne 
a linebacker that can maybe play off the ball a little bit. Then you have you know Christian Fulton at cornerback, who we saw in the national championship game for LSU. He declared. So there are a lot of guys there that I'm excited about and guys at positions that the Giants have some need. So those are the guys I'll kind of kind of focus in on and, and keep an eye on during the week as they go one-on-one and you see how these guys compete in practice against their peers, which is really, for me, the most exciting thing. And the, and the coaches get a lot out of this stuff, too, the scouts. Well, um, and, and they can meet these players at night in Mobile for the first time, too. That's right. You know, so... You know, you hear about the combine, you only get the 15 minute interviews, things like that. So they get to see him on a more personal basis. Um, is there a lot of that going on in, around? Do you see that happening in the in the hotel and things like that? I mean, them really talking to these players. Last constantly? year, we were not staying at the same hotel as the staff and the players. Okay. So I can't <clears throat> speak to that. We will be this year. So ask me again. Oh, there you go. Next Friday or the Friday after that, and we can have that conversation. Well, one thing that I do know, and we won't get into this in, in detail, but the fact is that the Senior Bowl is basically uh, it's 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 a job fair for a lot of these NFL coaches. Oh, that people have try lost. to fill out these stabs, right? And so you know these coaches are going down there, and then rather than have all these coaches fly in here for interviews, obviously your offensive coordinator, the most important coordinator position, you have guys come in. But as far as filling out your regular coaches staff this is the time to do it if you don't have somebody and so they'll be and you can get meetings and not to the organization doesn't have to pay for these guys flying in and doing it all they just do it right there they do and private too they have the hotel rooms they can go and have some privacy and talk about whatever you want to do and um so so you're telling me what happens in mobile stays in mobile it stays in mobile well hey you know that the not coach, not quite las vegas by the way just saying. <laughs> well, I've never been to Mobile, but I am, <laughs> I'm mm. guessing it's nothing like Las Vegas. <laughs> no, um, it is not. But I will tell you that this is probably the biggest thing they have going there. Once you know, it's a it's a big deal to have the Senior Bowl. The other thing with these coaches is that, um, you know, these coaching trees go so far, it, and so you know they go back to like, you know, these guys know you, you read about it. Oh well, you know. Um, Joe Judge knew this guy from 2005. Well, just look We're at talking Joe, about 15 years ago. Joe Judge was buddies with Freddie Kitchens when he was a grad assistant in yeah. Mississippi State. Yeah, reading about this where, where, where he made him go and build that that stupid um, swing set, toy set. You know, it's just that, but these guys, listen, they're loyal. Coaches are always loyal. Mm -hmm. They try to be as loyal as they can. Sometimes they can't, um, but they they have good relationships and. You know, these guys go to they go to battle for each other. They're in the trenches and and it is a tough profession. John and I both know mm. how much these guys spend their time at this facility and what they do and not just during the season, folks. Yeah, you know, during the off season they may get the weekend off, but they are constantly in the building and not around their families a lot. Yeah, it's the a guys, tough one way to go. And the guys on the lower end of the tone toll don't get paid a whole lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you're always moving around. You can't really settle in an area if you have a wife and kids. It's 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 not an easy life. It, and you it have really to isn't. decide in an early stage that if this is what you want to do because you got to buy your time. I mean, there's guys that are graduate assistants in college and then come in and, and they're an offense or a defensive assistant here and then they become a position coach. Well, and, and even internships. I mean, there are guys that have to do this for a long time without getting paid a real salary. That's right. Sleeping yep. on people's couches, you yeah. know, things like that. Leave their family behind and come to a city and like crash somewhere, literally. No, seriously. And yeah. live on the clothes that the team gives you when you get there. And that's how you survive. And I'll tell you what, the, the coaches that they're there like under, they're, you know, those guys look back on that and say, hey, you know, that John Schmelk, man, he, that guy worked his butt off for me. He, you know, he was in the building. He, mm -hmm. he really, he bought his time. For two years, he was bringing coffee and making play sheets and this and that. Oh, yeah, and, and you're you basically know, just printing out sheets uh, and creating playbooks, like stupid little dilly-dally jobs that need that to be done. The other guys don't have time to do. Correct. You know, because these guys are teaching, and they're in the meeting rooms with the players, and they're going over game plans and putting game plans together, but there's preparation that has to be done outside of that as far as practices go and and scouting the opponent and so and and listen i remember when coach coffin was here he would give every coach an off-season project okay john i want you to you know you're the offensive line coach i need you to do this and this and this this year and i want to report you got two months to get it to yeah it's basically it's like for example I'll give you an example of one go around the league look at every team's success and tendencies on third and one See what they did. See what the success rate is. See what defenses did on those plays. And don't just call pro football fo focus either. And <laughs> and present it to me with film That's to right. go along with it. <clears throat> yeah. And those are the types of you know situational things yep. that you would have these these coaches do. All right, we're gonna go about five minutes later today, at least because I started five minutes late. I apologize. It was my fault. I came in here late. Jeff was ready. It took him a little while to button. I got his shirt. in here. It did. You know, I needed some help. 
but before yeah, we get to the calls, <laughs> and we have all four of you guys on the line, we will get to you, I promise. I'll be very briefly, Jeff, before we get the calls. I have trouble seeing the two road teams winning this weekend. Yeah. I like the two home favorites. I think the Niners are a better team. Now there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers becomes 2014 Aaron Rodgers and just puts the team on his back and they win. It's always a possibility. So maybe that happens. I don't know. But I like that defense for the 49ers. I do too. And I like the pass rush for the Packers. But I think the Niners will do enough to win the game. And then on the other side, look, the Titans beat the Chiefs earlier in the year. One that was in Tennessee. Number two, I look back at that box score for the game. The Chiefs outgained the Titans 530 to 370 in that game. Mm. The Titans scored three touchdowns, one on a 40-yard fumble return for a touchdown, one on a 68-yard Derrick Henry run, and one after a 52-yard catch by Khalif Raymond put the ball inside the red zone. So they had the benefit of being home and those three big plays to come out with that win. I don't see all those breaks going the Titans' way, or all those plays. I'm not going to say it breaks because that means that they didn't get credit for them. Mm -hmm. I don't see all those big plays going Tennessee's way. In this game, I think they have a lot of trouble stopping the Chiefs' passing attack. I think the Chiefs' defense does enough, and I think they win by a score, too. The only way that Tennessee can win this game, in my opinion, is if they continue to run the football and not put that offense on the field for Kansas City and eliminate as many big plays as they can. They're not. They're going to get. They're going to give them up because they just do. That's what Patrick Mahomes did. After watching what they did last week, down 21 nothing, and Patrick Mahomes just sitting on the sideline going, guys, this is going to be okay. We're good. We're good, man. I really you know? wish four years ago when he got picked, I guess it's four years ago now, right? This is his this is third year. Third year, yeah, yeah. So four drafts ago. But this is his third year, right? This would be the fourth and then two, three before mm -hmm. that. I really didn't watch a lot of quarterback tape that year. I wish I had. Because I w coming I, out of college, you mean? Yeah, yeah. and and maybe yeah. I should go back and look at it now. And he came out of a but, small school, well, Texas Tech, and the I mean, you know not and, a great you know well and a system that's not anything resembling a pro system at least back then. I, I wish I watched him more on tape in college. I I really didn't. I I, I really wish I did. Well, obviously the, there's you know Andy Reid liked him a lot. Um, I know that it was said that Ben McAdoo had liked him when he was here. That was just some things that people had said that Ben McAdoo had liked well, what he saw. I mean, the tools are off the um, charts. They're just, but I tell you, it, what a great, <laughs> what a what a nice player to have in today's game because he's just the epitome of what you want to see in football for some of these passing fantasy football stuff and just you know a young guy, a good guy, classy um, competitor, kid. Oh, you know, man, the guy that you kid. know that's just going to go out and not. Not screw up off the field, but he's going to give you 150% on the field. He's happy. He's go lucky. I just, you kind of like that in him, you know? So it'll be a good game. And, uh, you know, Quintana Hill, you look at what he's done the last couple of weeks. He has not thrown the ball for more than 10 or 12 times a game. Now he's been very efficient when he's done it, and they've actually used the pass to get the leads in those two games. Then they've kind of gone yeah. to Derrick Henry. So it'll be interesting to see against a more high power, well, you're not going to get much more high, but more of a passing attack than you had last year in Baltimore, how the Titans handle that. Now, it just goes to show you that, you know, running the football can help you go a long ways. And when you got a guy like Derrick Henry, who's really coming to his own this year, um, certainly helps your offense and, and winning. you got to be able to run the football, bottom, bottom line in the National Football League. If you're winning games, you need a running game to, to keep that, to keep winning. Yeah, know? to me, and this is kind of where I've come down, because a lot of people, oh, running backs don't matter, running doesn't matter. Passing helps you score points, right? Mm -hmm. But running helps you situationally, like when you have a lead, you're yep. in the red zone, you're in third and short, things like that that help you win games. Mm -hmm. And that's to me, is kind of how you separate it. It also helps you control, okay, your possessions. If you can run the football on first and second downs to be able to give you those manageable third downs, right? If you don't have a running game at the beginning of the game and you're sitting there constantly in right. third and longs, and you know, um, going three and out, and, and you like don't that. have a good defense, right? I mean, this is the this is what's happened to the Giants last year. Think about it. I mean, their third down conversion was horrible on first and second downs. They were zero yards negative. Uh, now, at the end of the season, when Saquon Barkley got healthy, it helped a little bit. But boy, there was tough sledding there going in the middle of the season. They couldn't do anything running the football. All right, you ready to take some calls? Let's go. We got yeah. them lined up. It's we? all presented by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, made to chill. Let's start with. Antonio Manhattan, he'll lead us off. Hey, Antonio. Across the river. Hey, what's going on, guys? How's everything going? Everything's Good. well. What's up, man? So just want to kind of talk about how um, 
when Coach Judge got hired, I think that the, one of the smartest things that he did in his interview was, you know, they kept asking him about Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley, and he avoided, you know, giving any compliments to any player on the roster. I think that's a very smart move to do because he did. then you're not stuck with that person. Or, you know, if something just doesn't work out, he's not he's not in prison to that, you know, player. Uh, where I feel like, you know, even look at Coach Shermer right now when he was, you know, when his new interview with the Broncos, he right away said, you know, that uh, their quarterback there, that he's he's um, he's a good dude and, you know, he, he wants to work with him. Like, you just can't, you know, you know, box yourself in by, by – by just giving compliments to players and you haven't even studied them. And, and, and that's one thing. What do you guys think about that? Well, I, I think I, there's no question in my mind that he studied him. Okay. So you heard him say that, you know, and when he was in new England, he studied every player in the draft. So he knew about Daniel Jones. Right. We also played him twice this year. So that he knew about Daniel Jones. He just now remember he's not watching the Giants' offense as a special teams coach either. Yeah, but he knows him. He knows him. But you know what? It's basically it's not only Daniel Jones; it's for every other player on the roster. He was going to hold judgment up until he really be able right. to. to and no I thought it was intended. a smart thing to do. I do. Right. Um, another thing too is that you know there's a lot of emphasis on obviously the coaching staff this year, and it's because obviously he's not going to be able calling the offense or the defense. But I also feel like that's kind of like a a a indictment to the last two um regimes that we've had here because there's been i feel like that it you know in the past a lot of people have said that it was the roster that we didn't have a good enough roster which could have been true but i also feel like especially last year we just didn't have good coaching because the same mistakes that we saw in week one we we saw it in week 17 in terms in the offense the offensive line just didn't pick up you know, the, the the mic correctly. They were just not, you know, assigning the line. This, this didn't cover the guys correctly. And on defense, we saw the secondary do the same mistakes with rookies that they did the year before with veterans. And I feel like, Except you know, that's what, that lets you <laughs> all know that, you know, that, that, that it was a lot on the coaches. And that's something that, that, we don't, that we don't talk about enough. The coaches really messed up last year. And now this year, they're trying to correct that, and they're trying to make sure they take their time. Well, Antonio, the first coach. first and foremost, who, who the assistant coaches are is always important, okay? Second mm-hmm. of all, uh, look, James Betcher tried every scheme in the world with those defensive backs last year. They didn't succeed in any of them. He tried man, they failed. He blitzed a lot, it failed. He right. played coverage, it failed. He played zone, it failed. So I right. don't think the problems with that were schematic. Now, you could well, talk no, about whether or not they were being – Well, and, and look, that's fair. I'm not in the meeting right. room, so I can't comment on that. I don't see that. I can right. only see what happens out there on the field. And you could very well be right. right. I don't know. I know the coaches work their butts off to get these guys ready. I'm sure they're telling mm-hmm. these – I know for a fact they're telling these guys the right things to do. Now, right. the players were not executing properly on the field. You can point the finger wherever you like. I think to, right. – and I think Jeff would agree as a former player – it's your job once you get out there and execute. Executing a quarters or cover three defense shouldn't be something that you know throws a guy for a loop in week fourteen. Should be rocket science. No, no, it's just mental errors. If you're not preparing right. yourself for something, the coaches are telling you what we're doing this game, and you need to study it. But there's also there's an adaptability to the playbook, and then being on the field and doing what you're supposed to do. There's a little transition that you lose in there with young guys. That's what happens. So. And, and Joe Judge has stressed teaching. This, yeah. this team and being a good teacher. So I think that lends to your point a little bit, Antonio. And Antonio, real quickly, the one thing that you that I like to see, the fact that the last two coaches have been offensive guys, right? They've been on the offensive right. side of the football. When you now have a head coach, and this goes for any head coach in the National Football League, that when you are not tied to one side of the football, if you will, you're able to go and really meander through each side, the offense, the defense, the special teams, and really collectively take an outside perspective of it and see and manage to be like a CEO of the team, right? I mean, that's kind of yeah. what I think the Giants wanted to see, and that's what they got in a guy that's going to teach the whole roster rather than one side of the football. I know a lot of times there's offensive coordinators that don't even know who in the heck is on the practice squad. Thank you, Antonio. Appreciate yeah. the call. Because they're just so focused on just their guys. You yeah. know, They have no idea. Now, now you know, Joe's not going to be that way. He'll know everybody up and down this roster as he always has. No question. Let's go to Dan in the Poconos. Before we get to Dan, Jeff, I'm going to warn you. Last time I was on, we had a big two or three different people called about moving Evan Ingram to wide receiver from tight end. And Not going to happen. And, and I got a little upset, and I yelled at some people. So I'm wondering if Dan in the Poconos <laughs> is in relation to that at all. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hi, Dan. 
Hey, John, how you doing? We're good. Eagles. How are you? you guys? I'm doing good. You too, Dan. Um, What's up? Well, I'll tell you, the conversation that you had, whether it was, I don't know if it was with Paul or Lance, but that's what definitely prompted me to, to get a second to call up. Sure. And I, I mean, of course, everything is, is pretty much cut and dry. It's his, his last year of his rookie season, so you know he's definitely going to stay on the team and play. And we know that he's great in the mismatches. And we know that he can't block for you know what. To and Bill, but by the way, Dan, that's not true. He can block better okay, than a wide I, receiver. I, and 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 he and he's a much better blocker was the day than he walked in. Again, true. you're not running behind him. Yeah. He's not the guy at the point of the attack. But in terms of knowing what he's doing and playing positionally and getting in the way, he's passable at the position. He really is. I know fans don't like to hear it, but he is. Yeah, I guess he kind of was a little harsh on that. But fair enough. But I guess. The bottom, the absolute bottom line, right? It doesn't matter if he's, you know, Mark Bavaro or if he's whatever. If the guy can't stay healthy, what good is he, right? One hundred percent true. And not only him, but everyone. No, no question, Dan, and no one's exactly. arguing that. Yeah, it could be, you know, whoever. So, I mean, I hope to God this is. His, I mean, this is going to be a big year for him, right? They're going to weigh everything out to see if it's another year of, you know, seven or eight games. And I know the guy's great. He plays. He tries his heart out playing through these injuries, you know, like you pointed out. So I just hope that, you know, that he can stay healthy and, you know, and, and hopefully get that second contract with us, you know. And, Dan, it's like, tough, like too. Said, you know? It's really tough because if you think about it, you know, when the Giants let Devon Kennard go, what was one of the knocks on him? He couldn't stay healthy, right? When the Giants right. let Prince Mukamara go, what was one of the knocks on him? He couldn't stay healthy. And one of the lessons I've learned from that is that, yeah, it does stick to some guys, and those guys can't stay healthy. Other guys do get over it, and then all of a sudden they stay healthy and they become productive players. Is Evan Ingram going to be one of those guys? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a physical health thing. There's no way to predict it. But I do think you know, there are guys that do turn around fragility earlier in their career, and they get over it. Is that going to be Evan Ingram? I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. I mean, I, I listen, he— just as much as you want him to stay healthy and the team wants him to stay healthy, he wants to stay healthy yeah. too. I mean, I you know, listen, I, I've been I've been through the whole injury thing during the season and in the off season. It is no fun being in that training room. Not only do you have to spend the time in the training room, but you got to be here early, earlier than everybody, because you got to get treatments before, during, and after. I mean, it is a lot of work. Guys well, just do not want to get yep. hurt. And you know, and the thing about it is, is that in this in this league, in this profession. Injuries that you have today will creep back up again. You're going to feel them when you start getting in your 40s and your 50s. Trust me. It happens. I, I can relate. I bet. <laughs> so, hey, thank, thanks for keeping us going the next few months, you know, through all the draft process. You You're know, welcome. We really, we need it. You know, I know it's you know, repetitious and everything, but that's no, fun. Thank yeah, you. It's fun. We got new, new people to hey, talk Dan, about. Dan, appreciate so. it. And by the way, yeah. let me just say this. You know, Dan, I appreciate your kind words. For one, it's fun for us. And yeah. yeah, it can get repetitive, but that's what's fun about the draft process. It's new players every year. Exactly. And yeah. there's and there's different there's different circumstances too. The, the yeah. draft this year for the Giants is completely different circumstances. And there's more players than I will ever be able to look at. So yeah, it, no it, it, it's fun, but it's also frustrating because I never feel like I'm done <laughs> and I accomplish anything because I just yeah. look at the list. I'm like, oh my god, I'm not even close to being done. But that's what makes it fun. And there's unknown. And you talk about you know theories, trades, strategy. We love it. And the other thing I want to say, too, you know, Dan, you said we keep you going. Well, really, it's you guys that keep us going. Sure. Get us good questions. The fact like to talk that about it. we have a full bank of calls, and I'm not exaggerating, on every single show, mm -hmm. whenever we want to take a call. Except when Lance and Dettino are on. 99% <laughs> of the time, we have a full bank of calls at our disposal to have good, good questions. football conversation or when Charlie calls, we In have our crazy talk. We have regulars, too. But we you can't know? do it without you guys. If we were just here talking for an hour, we'd kill each other. Yeah, Paul Dottino and Lance would be dead. So <laughs> would I would have murdered them both. That's but the right. fact that we have you to help us along really makes it fun. John, do we know how many picks the Giants are unofficially are ready <laughs> to have this upcoming draft? Well, right now they have six. Unofficially. Because they traded the third-round pick for Leonard Williams. But... The thought is they will receive a right? third-round compensatory pick for Landon Collins. Now, I've been through this before. Those things change. It's a formula that's mysterious. Nobody knows it for sure. Yeah. 
they'll get a compensatory pick. Sure. What it's going to be remains to be seen. Okay. So they should have, they'll as of their, now, they'll get their third back. They'll have their seven picks in this year's Wasn't draft. Wasn't there one more draft pick in the in the Williams trade also? That was for 2021. 2021, which that is could either be a round? fifth or a fourth. Fifth a or fourth fifth. Going, okay. Or in a, it becomes a fourth if he becomes if he gets re-signed. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. And who knows? They could always trade veterans away for picks leading into the draft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know me. I always like to acquire as many picks as you can get. You want as many bites of the apple as you can mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it's tough to draft players. And you want as many chances to have a chance at finding as many players as you can. And there's so many different philosophies, and we've talked about it till our, you know, till the cows come home. I Every bleed. team is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, best best player on the board philosophy. Okay, great. We had this guy. This, this is, you know, there is so many different things. And the other thing that I want to just say right now, before all this starts, this is from me. Jeff Fiegel is going to say this to you people, is that there is value. There is value. I don't care. There's value in the first ten picks of this in the NFL draft. You're going to find them. They're all going to be good players. They all may not be good players. You don't know. So, but there's value there. And the, the job of the good personnel people is to find the values in the draft, not in the first round. It's in the third through the seventh round. That those are where you want to try to go get a guy like Darius Slayton. Find a valuable guy like that that can mm-hmm. come in and give you some production right away. How excited are you about Darius Slayton in his second year? This is like we're thinking next year was going to be the year he kind of maybe will get into the lineup. Well, my God, he's, he should be starting. He might be. I'm telling you. I mean, if they go to a standard three-receiver set, he will be starting. And he should. And he should. And I think that that's something that you can look at this staff and say, wow, you know, this is the guy you found that diamond in the rough. And it was really good. You know, because at the beginning, he was hurt. We didn't know much about him. But, boy, he just came out and played. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's hey, Joe. up next. Hey, Joe. Hey, hey guys. Uh uh, I don't know, first or so. Sometimes maybe I don't know where to find the app to click on the show on for Big Blue Kickoff Live on the on my laptop. I don't know. I don't know if it's posted or not. Well, Joe, once, once the show begins, it's always on the Giants.com homepage. And if you go to the mobile app, I believe it's on the homepage as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, okay, but I, I find it fascinating. There's so much to talk about this year, you, you know, especially with the coaching. You looked in the East there, you know, uh, everybody with uh, new head coaches except the Eagles, and they're getting a new offensive coordinator. And I hear one of our old coaches, uh, what's his name, that was uh, fired, uh, you know what I mean, his name mentioned there for offensive coordinator and you know, I, I find it fascinating. And uh, even Shermer, I heard him talking. Now, now he's in, in Denver, and he's going to be coaching Luck. You know, he was looking at him possibly for, uh, you know, to be here with the Giants. You know, it, there's so much going on. One thing he did say, too, he, he wanted to bring in Vic Fangio for defensive coordinator. I, I heard him talk and say that now. If he, I don't know why he couldn't come in. If they, they wouldn't release him or whoa, whatever. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Who said Vic Fangio is going to be the defensive coordinator? He wanted to bring him in. Wait, Shermer who said that? Said he wanted to. When? Uh, you can listen to one of his when he was being uh, No, 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 Joe. Vic Fangio is the head coach of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I he know, got hired by Vic him. He wanted to bring him in for defensive coordinator when they were uh, bringing it before Betchard or, or so. I don't know if they oh back him then because he was with the Chicago Bears or so. But yeah. well, yeah, he, I mean, I mean, if you so can bring I'm in a guy sure. like Fangio, that's great. But if he's under contract, the other team remember teams do not have to grant you permission to interview their assistant coaches unless it's for a head coaching position, even if it's for a position coach to become a coordinator. They still have to grant you permission. So yeah. that's all that really matters in the yeah. end. Yeah. I, I, and I was just wondering here, too, the way, you know, with these good offensive head coaches that we have a chance to hire for, uh, uh, for our offensive coordinator, possibly they're looking for someone from the Final Four yet to interview. You know, some of these coaches, Kansas City with their high-flying offense and Baltimore, you know, possibly. I, I was just wondering because – they have some good candidates. I hate to see them get away there. So, uh, 
Uh, just one other thing. This is on on the the humorous side. You seen in baseball there, uh, uh, the Astros fired their manager Hingy. Uh, what what Hinge. was going on or so? Well, they were just saying there possibly if you know a Judge or Belichick or someone to bring him in to run the cameras or so. So we'll see. You. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. Get that little jab in there. That baseball thing, by the way. That is as bad as it gets, man. Have you? Have you? Kept oh, I've been following big time. Big it's time. but you know what? I got, I got into not an argument, but an explanation. People were trying to think like, well, how could that be an advantage when when you're what? up at when you're up at the at the plate? Like, how can you think? I'm like, listen, if you somebody's buzzing you, telling you that there's a fastball, these guys have you ever seen the the home run derby when they know what kind of a pitch is coming, even though it's at <laughs> 60 miles an hour? They launch the thing 590 yeah, feet. These guys are professional hitters. You can argue that's a bigger deal than using performance enhancing drugs. It, it's cheating to the maximum. By the way, listen. And did by you the see way, Altuve, did you see his did you see his home and away stats for the 2017 series that went through? Yeah, it was like 300 versus like 190. It was crazy. It was it was, it was like 042. Mm-hmm. It was bad. Hello, no buzzer on the and, road. And I'm surprised, honestly, and this is obviously not Big it's... Blue Baseball Live, but I'll <laughs> make my point anyway. But it's all about, you know, integrity of a game. Yeah, it is. And I'm surprised, honestly, and I don't know what the investigation is going to turn up on Alex Cora and the Red Sox in 2018. That's still pending. He lost his job over this. Carlos Beltran lost his job over this. A.J. Hinch, Lundell, the Astros general manager. So that's four guys in mm-hmm. prominent positions that have lost their jobs over this. And the Mets, frankly, didn't have to do anything with Beltran. But to their credit, they're looking to, you know, be integrity, be, be a big part sure. of what they do. Well, it would so, just be a distraction every single right. day. So I understand why they did what they did. But, and I'm not commenting whether it's good or bad because it, Whatever. It doesn't really make much of a difference to me. I'm honestly surprised, Jeff, and I know this is a weird thing to do, and I'm sure you hate it when the NCAA does it. How seriously do you think they considered vacating those World Series? The, at least the World Series for the Astros in 2017. I think they've, they, they're they're serious about considering it, but they won't do it because they have to do go back and look at all the steroid stuff back in the days. I mean, there's just too much there to go there, you know? No, and, that's fair. That's fair. Um and it's not, it's not, this is professional sports. It's not college. I mean, they obviously they've taken away basketball. They've taken away football stuff in college, but they're not doing it in the pros. And frankly, whether they take it away or not, everyone's going to look at it forever. And you probably think with an asterisk. they probably think that's just, that's just as good. People and know that, you know, probably. the Astros are cheaters and the Red Sox are cheaters. And, you know, the people that they've done and got caught to it, then that's public opinion. That's what it is. You guys are, you know, it's the way it is. But it's it's insane to me to think that it was so collaborative, that there were so many people involved from, right. you know, we're not talking about stealing signs in the dugout from the guy that's looking over at third base like, hey, I think he went to his hat. I think that's a, I think it's going to be a breaking ball. Which, These, by the way, is legal and legal. That's 100%. That's you can do that. Yeah. But when you start to bring electronics into the yeah, deal, you can't do that. I mean, now we're really starting to get a little bit serious here. Um and now you're you're involving other people, right? You're bringing video guys in here. You're bringing all kinds of different stuff that are going to collectively say we are going to cheat to try to win. Why? Can't you just be good enough to win that you normally do? And, I mean, and again, you're taking away from the players and teams that are gonna that are trying to do it fairly, which I, is which, which is the problem. And listen, I you know you can we don't have to get into baseball stuff, but if we're talking about integrity. You know, the whistleblower, the guy that just didn't feel right. I mean, he just didn't feel good about what was happening to let this keep continue going on, right? I mean... Well, yeah, it's, the other part is, too, he went to another team and didn't want the Astros <laughs> to beat him. When but he my point is, is that it's a tough situation to be in <laughs> and when there's a lot of people in that locker room knowing what you're doing right. and you're associated with mm-hmm. it. That's a tough position to be in. No, it is. You put yourself in that, in your shoes. Like, if you're a guy on that team, then you know what's going on. Either you can partake in it or not. I mean, if I went to you, John, and said, listen, you know, of the uh, nine guys that are on the team, eight of them are wearing the buzzer. Do you want to wear one? No, I don't think I want to wear it. I don't want any part of this stuff. Okay, idiot, we're going to bat you ninth. In fact, we're probably going to DH you now because you're not going to be part of it. You know? I don't know. Well, and by the way, there is no evidence that they, in fact, used a buzzer. That's a rumor. But, but Whatever. other signs stealing yeah, stuff for it's sure. A rumor. And frankly, it's the pitchers too. Because this is cheating for batters. It's not cheating for pitchers. I know. So if you're a pitcher and you're sitting there, you're probably like, could you imagine if another team was doing this to me? You know, you're ruined. What if you're, what if you're a pitcher you're going to be a free agent? And you're pitching a big game against the Astros, and they cream you for eight runs in two and a half innings. Mm-hmm. And your team all of a sudden doesn't want to bring you back because they think you stunk in a big game. Because they cheated. 
<laughs> no, it's, I'm, seriously, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah. Anyway, 201-939-4513 as we bore everybody to death There's baseball cheating in talk. football, too, by the way. Well, yes. But we won't go there. 201-939-4513. Well, there has been some... Well, well we the, 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 that, that, we don't have some, to dodge it because it's been proven. There's been some documented cases where yeah, people got go. punished for it, so <laughs> no one's hiding from anything. Andrew in Massachusetts is up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Andrew. Hey, fellas. How's it going? What's up, buddy? Ironically, uh, you're yeah. from Massachusetts. Cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, quick uh, story. Back in August 2007 in training camp in Albany, I was 11 years old, probably 80 pounds. Went up to get your autograph, and I stepped on your kicking foot. What? And you, yeah, and you grabbed it like I had just broke it, and I got so scared. And my dad lost his mind laughing because he thought it was so funny. Oh, that's awesome. Do you remember that, Jeff? Good thing we were only 80 pounds. Do you right? remember that? I don't. <laughs> but I scared you, though. I, I ruined you for life, didn't I? The, the, uh, <laughs> the building where the pool was. and then the, Oh, yeah. Oh, the in between there. Court. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah uh, I spent a lot of time in that pool. That the was rack. That's what's called, right? Yep. The rack. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Not, nothing beats training camp in Albany. I'll tell you, that was awesome. Yeah, it's, I miss it. Uh, I, I miss tell it. you what. You know what? I know a lot of players won't say this, but you know, I I miss it because I just think it was you know it's a time where this is old school and new school. Old school is the camaraderie. We we, we I mean we stayed in those apartments. We played cards at night. We hung out with each other. Now that's not there anymore. And um, you know, there's the focus in my opinion. It just isn't there. And I, I would hate to be in this facility all the time. You know what I mean, John? You guys come back for training camp. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, we're getting ready for the regular season. And, you know, it was just a good time. It was a really good time. And it was close, two and a half hours away. I mean, you can get home when you had to. and Not really, but when you were given off, you could get there. Just watch the speed on I-87 oh, yeah. going up, please. Yeah, the gumball rally. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, Edge? What else you got for us? Yeah, what's happening? Um, just had two questions about guys coming off of uh, ACL injuries, actually. Sure. One, Ryan Connolly. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, I mean, I know the linebacker, you got to cut so much of that position, and it's kind of, it's just a crapshoot, I feel like, but he was on the up. Sure. And now, but I feel like that has really big draft implications because that might be another spot we need to fill or free agency implications, well, obviously. Yeah, honestly, guy, Andrew, honestly, he, just real quick, even if Connolly didn't hurt himself, I would not use him as a reason not to draft another inside linebacker, especially if you're sticking with the 3-4. Yep. You need two of them anyway. So that, to me, isn't much of an impact. Does it maybe make it a little bit more important because he's hurt too? Sure, but don't be afraid to draft over a guy. Connolly yeah. looked great last year. It doesn't mean he's Luke Keekly either. Uh-huh. Right. I was just saying more so, I feel like now we need to get two more solid guys rather than at least one. No, I but, hear you. That's fair. Definitely the position then, uh, needs to be upgraded, though, in my opinion. That whole the linebacker right. position. Yeah, I'm with you. And then another guy that I feel like no one is really talking about lately but was also on the up and it was unfortunate is Corey Coleman. Mm. And I'm just wondering what what like his status might be. I know the, obviously the new coaching staff, they always want to tweak the roster the way they might see it. They might not see what Shermer saw in him. But I feel like he was, especially on kick returns, mm-hmm. and I just wanted your guys' opinions on what his future might be, and I'll take the answer off the air. No, I appreciate it. Good call. Thank you, Andrew. I think Appreciate you, it. Listen, I, I, you know. It, well, real quickly, I want to give you his contract status. I believe he's a free agent. Yeah, I think he signed a two-year deal when he came here. Undrafted right? free agent. Um, rather, he's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. So, okay. at, least, with, at least according to SpotTrack.com, and again, yeah. this is not official. Uh, he is not, he is unsigned heading into next year. And with the emergence of Darius Slayton, it kind of seems to think that you know he may not be back. I mean, it, it'll be another young piece to have in that room, mm-hmm. which is already a pretty deep one, to be quite honest with yeah, you. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, listen, would you rather, would you like to see the Giants draft another wide receiver? I mean, some people think they should. Here's the problem. <laughs> this, or I don't know, it's not a problem, but it's a fact. This wide receiver class is so ridiculously deep and ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. You can find a receiver that maybe was mm-hmm. a late one, early second round pick in this draft, probably in the third round. Yeah. So even though it's not a need, if that player... And you're has picking, that you're picking value? Fourth in the third round, so you you still can get. Well, not this year. You're not. If no, it's a compensatory pick, right. it's the end it's of the, the third end. round. That's right. You lost your third one. So, so if you're sitting there and you're like, boy, we don't see anybody other positions that we love, but we got this receiver here that has a you know a top of the third round grade on him, even though it's not a need, do you have to take that player? I mean, Golden Tate's on the wrong side of thirty. Mm-hmm. Had a really good year last year. You know I me. Mean? I'm a big fan of Golden. He's a really good player. Yeah. But. Again, I think if the value's there, I don't think you should hesitate, especially if it's a guy that is a little bit bigger and maybe doesn't fit that profile 
you know, Slayton's six foot, he can make contested catches, but you know, Tate and Shepard are both kind of, you know, six foot, six foot sub guys that are more slot like than they are outside guys. You know, if there's a six three, six four guy there, I'll throw a name out there. But Michael Pittman Jr. from USC sitting there and you really like him. You know, yeah. do, do you go and you take him? Well, I think that you have to you have to look at, you know, what you have on the roster now and what you like, you know, you have Golden Tate, you've got Sterling Shepard who's coming off the season with some some concussion issues, right? You never know how things are going to happen. I think the Giants draft a, a wide receiver because of the thing, the things you just said. They're so deep. Is Dave Gettleman able to go and find you another guy in the fourth round that really may may have been a third rounder because of the depth at that position? And then I think they will. I think that's one position that they will draft um, just because of just some of the circumstances that surrounds that position now that are here. Yes, and I do think that drafting one in the first round is a little crazy. Oh, no, no way. No. <laughs> Listen, there, there will be a lot of people calling our show if the Giants draft a wide receiver in the first round. Well, I round. guarantee you there will be people wanting them to draft a wide receiver in the first round. Well, because I people don't. will see Jerry, Dude, Jer- Jerry Judy. Not Judge Judy, Jerry Judy. <laughs> they'll see CeeDee Lamb and you know guys like that, and they'll get a little excited. But, guys, fourth overall, you have Shepard, Slayton, and Tate on the roster, and Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley. Mm. You don't need a top-five wide receiver. And no. there are a lot other bigger needs, and there'll be other— Look, if, if the wide receiver's sitting there and he's by far the best player on your board, we can have the conversation. But when you're sitting there at four, there's going to be other guys at other positions with just as high of a grade. Well, I guess you're going to have to look at that philosophy if you're taking the best, the best player available. And, you're, and your analogy is that, you know, you've got these offensive linemen, but for some reason, one of those guys you just mentioned comes up and they are the best player on the on then you're going to be picking them if that's your philosophy. And right. then there's going to be a lot of argument. Why'd you do it? But like we said before... They're, it's all about how teams position themselves in their philosophy of picking and drafting. We would love it. We would never be able to do it, to get into draft day in the building. Wouldn't it be great to be in that draft, that room? Oh, yeah. And just I, see I would, how things would, I mean. I would, would donate un- my month's salary to do unbelievable that. Unbelievable to see what things are going on there. And everybody's, it's, you know, everybody keeps it so tight. Nobody knows. But um, if that's the case and there's a guy there, then they're going to take him. Doug in Rochester will wrap us up today on the phone. Hi, hey, Doug. Doug. Hey, what's up, guys? You guys try to look alike today. Yeah, we do. We do. We try not to do you know, that Doug, very often. It's funny, me. Doug. You bring that up, and I was going to relay this story after your call, but I'll I'll, I'll relay it now, so hang tight. Because it uh, goes, uh, be, be, okay, I was just joking with you guys. No, I know. Guys, that's okay. No, that's Tommy, fine. I guess I'm not telling yeah, the story then. Okay. Yeah, well, it was a good story. <laughs> All right. You guys done? Um, yeah, <laughs> I, was, um, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, yeah, sure, no problem. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, Are you I'm listening. listening? Yeah, of course we're listening. Yeah, Doug. We always listen okay, to you. Um, we're listening um, to you. I'm not sure the other way is. Ingram, um, Ingram, um, Smith, Jeff. Um, yep. Um, I know Paul likes him a lot, and I see why. You don't see him as a, a tight end maybe like Jerry Judy. Maybe you know, like a Kelsey or a Kittle developing you know, mm-hmm. don't see that. No. I can kind of see that in him. Yeah, he's not, he's not a tight end. Listen. You're putting them at a pretty high level. <laughs> Those guys are premium tight ends, right? They're very athletic. They are, you know, all pro guys. Um, can he ever develop into one of those? We never know. But I don't see the athletic. I see athleticism in him, but I don't see him being that type of a, of, an, of, a, of a tight end. Now, can he help your team? You saw what he did this year, and that you saw why they went and got him off of waivers from the 49ers. Yes, he's a good player, and I hope that he turns into someone like that. But as of right now, no. The answer to that is no. Oh, okay, so yeah, no, um, yeah, the Giants, uh, John, I'm gonna talk to you too about the Giants' fourth pick. Uh, they Thanks. they have considered their fourth pick as wearing a gold jacket, right? That that the higher up on the list, right? Well, I mean, you want every player you draft to eventually wear a gold well, jacket if you um, can. I'm, well, I'm talking about you talking about Sean Barkley at the two spot, and Darius Jones at the six. The fourth spot has to be that type of player too. Sure. That's the fourth pick of the draft. And he has to be that type of player, right? Sure. And um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you just talked about receivers. Now, when you look at Jerry Judy, okay, Jerry Judy is compared to Randy, they're comparing him to Randy Moss. You're right. Okay, yeah, and they're comparing it. Jerry Judy to a lot of stations is comparing him to Randy Moss. Okay, so he's not. Randy the Giants Moss. don't need it. The Giants, if you look at Darius Slayton on one side, Jerry Judy on the other side. You may be in a couple of years looking at the best receiver tantrum in the NFL. Hmm. Okay. Jeff, go yeah. ahead. I, I told you the phone call was going to come. Go ahead. Yeah. Take uh-huh. it. 
Listen, he's six foot one, by the way. So he's, he's he, so he's not Randy Moss. Okay, six one. Okay, Slayton six foot. Yeah, but they, but they're talking about the way he runs his pattern, his hands. Not, yeah, but no, but here's the thing. But dog, dog, but they're Randy Moss. But, yeah, but Randy Moss wasn't a great route runner. Randy Moss ran straight down the sideline. That's what he did. Correct. Here. Start well, Randy Moss, right, he, he ran slap patterns, too. Now, come on, be for real. He, he was known as the outside deep receiver, but he could go over the middle, you know. Randy he, Moss he almost – Randy Moss did not take big hits over the middle. Doug, I'm sorry, he didn't. That's not what he did. Yeah, okay, but then I want to ask you another question. Um, this, this guy, Sims, they got him listed as a safety, but he, who? he's a, he's a, considered a linebacker, right? Who's that? Who, who, Isaiah Simmons? Yeah. Yes, he's considered more of a linebacker, but he did play safety for Clemson as well. He can do a little bit of both. So you so you would consider him like a swift army knife type of guy? Yes. Okay, so that 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 could be a fourth pick, a good fourth pick. Would you be disappointed with no, that? No, I would not be that? disappointed in that pick. I, I have not watched him enough to have a comment I on that. I saw him but... enough in the in the national championship game to know that, you know, I, I like what I see out of him. You know? Yeah, so that yeah, so he might be up on the board. Uh, he's probably one of those players you might be up on the board. Uh, okay, guys, um, you guys have a great weekend. You too. And, Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, oh, oh yeah, um, John and Jeff, I kind of, I kind of agree with you on the um, on the Kansas City game in Tennessee um, that um, you know Henry, if he's on the field, Mahomes on the sideline, it's going to be a long day for the Chiefs. But I kind of like disagree with the Packers and uh, 49ers. Now, as Dante Adams and Jones run the football, Adams run all over the field, and Aaron Rodgers has a flashback of his of his prime good old days. And then you got the Smith boys on defense. It's, it's going to be a long day for San Francisco. All right, okay. appreciate the call. Well, we're going to see. Thank you. We are going to see. And, oh, and, and again, that's what I said. I said if, if Rodgers can pull out yeah, 2014 vintage Rodgers, you yes. never know. And he can. I mean, you, the guy can still play football now. I just want it to be a good game. I really do. Yes. Um, I Honestly. I have a bad feeling about this weekend, Jeff. You do? I think there's a chance that both could not be very competitive. Okay. So you think they're going to be Only runway. because the first two weekends have been so good, yep. generally. It's rare you get three of them. Yeah. Sundays last week were better than Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weekend before that were outstanding football games. I just wanted it to be a good game. I'm, I'm trying what to think. I last, well, last Saturday, the big upset. So while yeah, it wasn't yeah. that close, you did have the big yeah, Titans the upset, over Baltimore yeah. upset. Um, I guess to me, I if I had to, who I want to be in those, mm-hmm. I really don't really care all that much. But I, I, I want people to understand. And this, this kind of goes, you're going to follow me with this. You look at the 49ers and where they've come from, that can give you somewhat of an idea of what a team can do. A four and twelve team last year makes the Super Bowl. It can happen, folks. It can happen. Well, it helps when you get your quarterback. Back. It also helps when you have a guy like yeah, like Bosa, who can really, really. I mean, in that defense, they are hungry. Well, think they of, fly around the football. Well, think of all the additions, right? You had Garoppolo coming back, mm-hmm. the addition of Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman, another year healthier, coming off the injury. Uh, throw in uh, Tevin Coleman, added in free agency. Okay, drafted Debo Samuel. Who traded came into his own. Traded for Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. So those are some uh, uh, McGlinchey, yeah. the tight end, uh, the offensive tackle, who they drafted. Another guy was he last year? Two years ago, McGlinchey. He might have been two years ago. Either way, another year from McGlinchey in the league was a really good player. So they had a lot of additions to that team okay. that made them jump from that four and twelve mark. And if you look at the Giants going into free agency, sure, okay, um, you know you mentioned some good free agent acquisitions there. You know the guy from Coleman, right? Did he come from Atlanta? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and he, he actually he hasn't even had that great of a year to be honest. But with I mean, he but he got healthy towards the end of the year, yep. and he's been playing. You know, Samuels is another guy, and then you throw in Kittles, who you know even playing. Hurt can still do damage. He's a monster. Um, just the energy that Bosa brings is just so contagious, if you will, to that whole other defense. That they see a guy run like that, man, it's just it's, it's contagious, and yeah, that's how it, they play. Jeff, it's, I think it's to your point, and I think it's a great one. It's a combination of three factors. It's new guys that you drafted. Mm-hmm. It's free agents or trades that you did to bring new people in. And then it's the development of the people that you drafted previously. So you need all three of those to meet up to make the jump that the Niners made. And I'll give you one more. The the play of your quarterback. 
you got to have good play out of your quarterback. No matter what team you are. I don't care. In this league today, you have to have a quarterback. The Giants have one. They've got one. Okay. You saw Daniel Jones improve the last quarter of the season with his, you know, insecurity, insecure ball skills, if you will. He, he, he's getting better with that. And so I think that this is a, you got a running game. You got a coach that wants to run the football. You got a coach that wants to eliminate turnovers. The one thing I could tell you about Joe Judge, that this team will, will always be prepared. Okay, and if you got a chance, if you're prepared going into football games, because that preparedness was going to win you a couple games just because it will. And I also believe that this coach has the ability to coach from the sideline and adjust as the game goes, and he's not going to get out coached. I don't think he's ever going to get out coached, even being a young guy. Well, and that'll be help too from his whoever his coordinators end up being. Which is help with that which too. I think is important that we talked right. about earlier. That and maybe if it's you know. If, if it's for some reason, John, it's not an offense or a, def, a defensive – well, the defensive coordinator has never been a head coach, but if it, the new offensive coordinator isn't a head coach for some reason, you would hope maybe the offensive line coach or, or the, whoever it is has been has some sort of experience at the head coaching level to NFL. Wow. We, we could sit here and do another two hours if you – I mean – Well, c- can I tell you the story now that Doug wouldn't let me tell? Oh, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so – it was in training camp. It was probably 2008 or 2009. I don't remember which one. 2009 was your last camp, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, you know. Might have been the last time they were at Albany, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. No, yeah. we ended up going back the year mm-hmm. after the strike short year in 2012. Oh, wow. So it was that long? Okay. Yes. Okay. But then we were done there after gotcha. 2012. Okay. So, you know, our facility for the broadcast was across from the rack in the basement in racquetball court. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's where I hang out. And... The cold, it was right next to where the locker room was, and the cold tubs yes. were right outside that door. Very so cool. a lot of times players would be walking down this ramp to get into the locker room, which was on the you know which is on the basketball court, which could open Correct. up into this little like driveway, for lack of yeah. a better term, yeah, it like, right? It was like a loading dock, Corp, carport, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. So our exit from our broadcast facility was in the same space. So right. we're always you know we would ride our I would bring my bike up there. We'd ride our bike from the dorms. To the thing. Yep. So we're always walking in and out of that carport. And fans, for you folks that weren't up there, you would kind of just post yourself around different areas <laughs> of the campus. It was on that hill. Where you knew the players would be, yep. and they try to get autographs. Right. Could be anywhere. And you guys were great about it. Usually you'd sign yep. quickly because people weren't bad about it. They, they respected your boundaries, but you would sign for them. And one day... And, you know, this was probably, like I said, 2008. So I was like 26, 27. How, how, how old were you in 2008? So 2008? Yeah, 2000. How old were you? 2000, I was 42. Okay, so you were about 15 years older than me, okay? So I'm walking in and out of that door one day, and these two kids. They thought you were me. Screaming at the top of that <laughs> damn know. thing. Jeff Feagles, <laughs> sign for me. Feagles, will you sign? And you probably Feagles. said, get out of here, kids. And I, and I just look back, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, it's a all bald white dudes all yep. do look alike, don't mm-hmm. we? Yep. Sorry, kids. Not Jeff Eagles. They didn't believe me. They yeah. thought I was lying. They well, thought I was you. And real quickly, I had the same similar things happen when I was in Seattle and Dilfer was on the team. <laughs> and we would come off the field. We'd oh, take our funny. shoulder pads off and walking because we look really alike. And I used to wear an undershirt underneath my shoulder pads that says, I'm not Dilfer. <laughs> Because people would do the same thing. People Trans, thought I, people think I look like Hasselback a little bit. A, too. a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it was with him too. So you're not going to get me on that one. Don't ever try that. Did you play at Jeff Eagles, Matt Hasselback, and Tim? By the way, both of them. By the way, there's a reason I never select quarterbacks in that game. Yeah, that's a, that's an easy. And one. by the way, did you play with Jeff Eagles? I'm not going to be here next week because I'm going to be in Mobile. So okay. the game will return in February, there or maybe go. the last week of January. We'll start right. a new year. Jeff did win last year. Wasn't a lot he finished of them, the year though. at 16 and 13. All right, that's so good. not bad. So okay. we will we will bring the game back <laughs> at the end of the month or the start of February. I don't I didn't want to try to do it when we have all these busy days with coaching staff no, we got and too senior much to talk and everything. About. There's too much to do. So once we maybe here's what we'll do after the Super Bowl, Jeff. Right. Post Super Bowl, we start a brand new season of Did You Play with Jeff Fiegels? Okay. That first week of business. Super Bowl is February second, so we'll start the week of February third. And by okay. the way, starting that week or maybe even the week before that, you're gonna hear Jeff on BBK. Multiple times. times a week. Sometimes. I mean, I mean, two times and we'll excited? rotate around. No, I mean, kid, I mean, up. The, the ratings are already high on Fridays with me and John. I can't imagine what they're going to be in another time that I'm on. This well, week. here's the thing. It's going to be amazing. And I'm going to make this awkward for you as I extend the show yeah. more and I drive Artemis nuts. <laughs> she, up to, she has somewhere to go. I am going to allow you 
right here on the air. John letting me allow, allowing me to do what? Kick you off the show? No. I'm still going to host with you one day a week, but I can't host with you two days a week. Okay. So you need to tell me, would you prefer... Oh, to host oh, with no, Lance? No. Or would you or, prefer you, to host with can, Paul kill the show right for the now. second show? Kill the show. <laughs> kill the show. I'm not going to answer that. I, I plead the fifth on that one. All right, so now you're 0-1 on Did You Play With Jeff Fegels <laughs> for 2020 <laughs> because funny. you refused to choose between Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino. I'll tell you what. I will answer that. Or, I, would, I, would probably, I would probably choose to do with Lance because Lance and I are partners on Sunday for the pre- and the post-game show. There you go. All right, Jet Fegels will refuses the host with Paul Dottino. No, I did. No, that and more I'm sorry. You, coming up you next heard, week on Big I did Big not Blue say Kick that. I did not say that. I said I would prefer probably with Lance. Now I love Dottino too. I do enough. I mean, we do. Uh, although although Dottino's my partner too with NEC games. I can't. I'm sure. I can't believe you actually answered the question. I was expecting you to just dodge. I, I thought I could dodge the questions. I'm, I'm honest answers. You know. I mean, I like them both mutually. I really do. They're good guys. And either way, the show is going to be amazing anyway. So. No, that's because you're on it. That's exactly, 100%. <laughs> All right, 100%. Jeff. Thank you. Have a great weekend, folks. Hey, I will tell you something you are going to know coming out of the weekend. Who's going to the Super Bowl? And it was all brought to you by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, Made to Chill. For Jeff Fegels, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks hey, for yep. being with us on this week's final edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. Enjoy championship weekend. Only three NFL games left this year. No, I don't count the Pro Bowl. Last day with multiple games. Enjoy it on Sunday, folks. And I'll talk to you next week from Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Until then, adios.